have you ever wondered why? As we go through life, now and again, one comes across something which begs the question, I wonder why that is. So if you hang around for a while, we will discuss one of those perhaps unanswered questions and possibly even come up with an answer. Now here is the basis of my first question. Jesus was talking to a crowd and, as usual, declaring various words of practical Christianity as recorded in Matthew chapter 7. Such as, What man is there of whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And then further on in verse 13, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14. Read those words again. For wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it. Now, you might well say, only too true. Look at the evil in the world. Beheadings, civil wars, gang warfare, knife attacks in the United Kingdom, and so on. But then, Jesus continued, But small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. Well, this is the question which worries me. If what Jesus says is true, and we must believe his conclusions, then my question is, why is this? I have attended hundreds of funerals through my lifetime and have never been at a funeral of anyone who, according to the funeral messages from friends and clerics, has spent his life walking on the wide road that leads to destruction and hell. 
everyone seems to have travelled on the narrow path leading to eternal life. Have I just been fortunate in the companions I have kept? All have travelled apparently on the narrow path that leads to everlasting life and none have travelled on the wide road that leads to eternal destruction. So we have a dilemma. Is the analysis by the Lord Jesus faulty? Remember he said, many take the wide path and broad road which eventually leads to hell. And only a few take the small gate and narrow and difficult way leading to eternal life in heaven. Or is there another more obvious reason? We shall get back to this question, uh, I hope, later on. The Lord Jesus Christ told a sad story. I believe it to be actually true. In this, there are two main characters, both men. I'm going to read a little portion from Luke chapter 16 and from verse 19 and we'll have a few verses here and there. Now there was a certain rich man who was habitually dressed in expensive purple and fine linen and celebrated and lived joyously in splendor every day. He ate only the best meat. Everything was splendid and expensive. He wore the best clothes. I remember in Dublin when I was a kid there was a shop and it was the 50 shilling tailors. 50 shillings you could have got a suit. This man would never have been seen dead in such a store. No way, Jose. Only the best was good enough. Fine linen clothes, only the best. His house, fantastic. The most modern gadgets in the kitchen, all the furnishings, handmade to the highest standards, mingled with costly antiques. This guy was a picture of success. We do not know his name, but I'm sure you probably may know this man among some of your acquaintances. Verse 20. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at the rich man's gate, covered with sores. He probably could not walk, but was carried and laid there every day. His name meant God has blessed. God has blessed. And his name was Lazarus. One can imagine this conversation by the rich man and some of his friends. I have nothing against this poor beggar, but between you and me, he is a bit of an embarrassment to me in front of my friends. 
I really will have to get those who bring him here to put him somewhere else. Or perhaps I'll ask the council to put him into a house for people like him. To tell you the truth, this man, Lazarus, is a bit of a nuisance. He certainly seemed to be a bit of a blot on the rich man's otherwise sunny horizon. He went on. The beggar is full of sores. It is really quite revolting. Apparently my dogs go out to the gates and lick his sores. So I'm told. And these sores are all covered in flies. Somebody should do something about this beggar. He spoils the area and he smells. I believe the girls in my kitchen give him any bits of leftovers. I must speak to them about that. And that was the picture painted by the Lord Jesus. And he continued. Verse 21. Lazarus. He eagerly longed to eat the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. And that was how our story ended. Well, not quite. Time passed and both these men died. Jesus continued, verse 22. Now it happened that the poor man died, and his spirit was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, to paradise. How wonderful! What an amazing day for Lazarus, the beggar. How utterly fantastic! Well, If that happened to the beggar, what happened to the rich guy? But note carefully, Jesus says, The rich man died and was buried. He died and no doubt had a fantastic funeral. What a wonderful service. Hundreds of mourners. They would probably have a memorial service to thank God for the life of this wealthy man. The figure said they were to thank God for this man in a silent moment of reflection and thanksgiving to God. Really, it was a very moving time for all his friends. The vicar then actually commended the soul of the rich man to God in some way recommending him to God his friends and neighbours all thought that was so wonderful imagine being recommended to God by the vicar it made them feel a lot better and more comfortable about this whole business of dying now We obviously do not know what really took place at the rich man's funeral. But that is what takes place in so many churches today. The vicar suggests that the congregation give thanks to God 
for a person who turned their back on God during their lifetime and then commends the soul of our brother here departed to Almighty God. Even though the here departed has probably already been dead for a couple of weeks. Has the eternal destiny of the here departed been held in a state of limbo until God receives the vicar's commendation? And in this, in some, some way, may help God make a final decision between heaven or hell for the dear departed. What do you think? Well, I know what Scripture says. That this is utter blasphemy to a holy God. In fact, whatever way you look at it, it is just naked necromancy. Praying for the dead. Something totally condemned by God in Scripture. I was thinking about this, and a few years ago, when speaking to the local vicar, I asked him, why do you commit souls of the dear departed to God? Without thinking, he said, was that he consoled the relatives and the family. My total amazement caused him to try and change his answer. There is certainly no scriptural reason as to why we should commend the soul of the dear departed to Almighty God. Churches need to get real in their so-called Christian worship. What Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, Just as it is appointed unto men, to all men, once to die, and after that, the certain judgment. And that surely was the end of the story this time, of these two men. Well, not quite. Jesus continued, verse 23, And in Hades, the unseen world of unrighteous departed spirits, separate from paradise, so in Hades he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man had ended up in a place of torments. He was in torments and you know there to remain until the great white throne judgment where he will be sent to hell for eternity. And he is still there, waiting in torments. Perhaps you're thinking, I just don't believe that. To be blunt, fortunately what you think and what the scriptures teach do not have to match up. And to continue... Then the rich man looked, and were his eyes deceiving him. 
in some way he could see from where he was into paradise. No, it really was Lazarus with Abraham. How well he looked. No sores, no torments. Verse 24. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have pity and mercy on me and send Lazarus to tip the dip of his finger the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame but Abraham said child now this must have been a bit of a shock to the rich man's ego in life no one ever would have addressed him or dared to address him like that but Abraham continued, Child, remember that you in your lifetime fully received what is your due in comforts and delights and Lazarus in like manner, the discomforts and distresses. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm that has been fixed in order that no one will pass from this place to you and may not be able to pass from your place to here and the man said oh then then father I beseech you to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may give solemn testimony and warn them, lest they come into this place of torment. Send someone to my brothers, Abraham. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear and listen to them. But he answered, No, Father Abraham, you're not just getting it right. I, if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Change their minds for the better and heartily amend their ways with abhorrence of their past sins. Abraham said to him if they do not hear and listen to Moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded and convinced and believe even if someone should rise from the dead how sad Luke 16 verses 16 31 note neither will they be persuaded and convinced and believe even if someone should rise from the dead you know our saviour the Lord Jesus Christ and at this Easter time we remember him particularly how he died and rose again and he has risen from the dead and yet the world and individuals in this world still reject him. 
What a horrifying story. What happens when we die? Now, we will get back to our dilemma. Is the analysis by Jesus Christ faulty? Remember he said, many take the wide gate and broad road which eventually leads to hell. And only a few take the small gate and narrow and difficult way leading to eternal life in heaven. Now, we must accept that which Jesus said and taught is true. And what is taught to many congregations is just not correct and is a deception. Sadly, that is the truth and the eternal destiny destiny of millions of souls across the world is dependent on this false teaching. Surely that cannot be true, but I think it is. I was thinking about this and I remembered a few years ago a teenager whom I knew became pregnant and eventually went into labour and was taken into Trillisk Hospital and sadly had a stillbirth. Her mother was distraught but gained some little consolation from the hospital padre as he had baptised the dead baby. I had a long chat with her, her daughter and the daughter's boyfriend to try and set some biblical truth into their perspective. How tragic. Of course, in the Anglican Church there is also a service called emergency baptism. If a baby is ill in the house, apparently one sends someone outside to get anybody at all, pervert, atheist, rapist. One does not have time to be fussy. Then get a drop of water and sprinkle it on the baby's head and then get him to say a sort of magic formula. And so then it does not matter whether the baby dies or not. How wonderful! No, it is simply the equivalent of pagan mumbo-jumbo. Can you possibly imagine, can you possibly imagine our Lord Jesus Christ explaining this procedure to the apostles? At the time when Jesus told this real-life drama, he had not as yet been crucified and risen from the dead at that stage the dead went to Sheol a Hebrew word denoting a place to where the departed spirits went Hades was the Greek equivalent of the name for Sheol then at that stage there were two separated departments within Sheol 
a place of torment for those who had lived their lives apart from God and the other a place called paradise for those who had lived in simple faith and trust in God. And this is the situation described in our story. Later Christ was crucified, placed in a tomb. He descended to Sheol and took from there all the righteous souls from the time of Adam, including this poor man Lazarus, to heaven with him. So that portion of Sheol is now empty. However, the rich man is still in the place of torments and will remain there until some time after the millennium reign of Christ on earth. After which he will be brought to stand before Christ as judge at what is described as the great white throne judgment where he will be condemned to hell for eternity his companions there will be the devil and his angels and the flotsam and jetsam of a wicked and evil world a terrifying prospect and a terrifying thought read Revelation 20 and I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible in verses 11 to 21 then I saw a great white throne and the one who was seated upon it from whose presence and from the sight of whose face earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them I also saw the dead great and small they stood before the throne and the books were opened then another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged and sentenced by what they had done their whole way of feeling and acting their aims and endeavours in accordance with what was recorded in the books and the sea delivered up the dead who were in it death and Hades the state of death and or disembodied existence surrounded surrendered the dead to them and all were tried and their cases determined by what they had done according to their motives aims and works then death and Hades the state of death or disembodied existence death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life 
he was hurled into the lake of fire. What a terrifying story for those who die without believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ.